This is Remembering Yugoslavia, the show exploring the memory of a country that no longer exists. I'm your guide, Peter Korchnak. I've already dedicated a number of episodes to Yugoslav socialist monuments. In all of them, the popularity of the monuments was a major topic of conversation. In episode 5, Future Monuments, Sanja Horvatinčić bemoaned the schizophrenic status of these monuments. At this moment, they are kind of stuck in between complete political denial, erasure on the local level, and then on some sort of fetishization on the global level that has nothing to do with actually understanding the social purpose or the political purpose of those monuments. In episode 8, 12,000 Monuments and Nothing on Map, Vladana Putnik Prica proposed ways to correct for the fetishization of monuments on part of their visitors. The foreigners, the first thing they see is art, and they feel certain emotions, and that that's wonderful, but it should not be without some information about their history. And in episode 15, Ace of Spomenik Database, Donald Nebel suggested the responsibility for popularizing the monuments ought to be shared. So you see this fetishization or futurism sort of aesthetic being applied to them, not just internationally, but also from people within the former Yugoslavia. By the way, the BCS word for monument is spomenik, the word whose root comes from the word to remember or memory. The correct BCS plural is spomenici, but in English you'll often hear it used in the BCS singular with the English plural suffix as spomeniks. I admit I am guilty of this error on occasion as well. At any rate, Spomenici also made an appearance in stories about Yugoslav-inspired graphic design, defunct socialist holidays, and diasporic travel. And I already have a number of episodes in the works where the monuments feature quite prominently. So here I am, reporting on the phenomenon. Travel bloggers and their ilk sling snapshots by the thousands on social media. Monuments now appear in feature films, TV shows, documentaries, video games, graphic and other art, products like apparel, jewelry, or paper models. And in 2018, a major exhibition at the Museum of Modern Art shot the monuments, alongside other brutalist and modernist architecture in former Yugoslavia, to the cultural stratosphere. Why is this happening? I like to employ the five whys technique to get at the root of matters. Basically, you ask the question why, repeatedly, where each answer creates the next question, until after the fifth iteration you get, or should get, to the root cause of a problem, or one of the root causes anyway. You probably wouldn't even need all five whys to get to the spark of the explosion of interest in the Yugoslav socialist monuments. Yeah, before I fought them, I think nobody was interested in it. Belgian photographer Jan Kempeneers triggered the thing when he began exhibiting his photographs of monuments circa 2007, and particularly when his book Spomeni came out in 2015. A number of professional photographers followed in Kempeneers' footsteps. So at the end I had around uh, 50 monuments and I decided I could make a book. In this, the 25th episode of Remembering Yugoslavia, Yugoslav Socialist Monuments, the Spomenici, and the photographers who photographed them. Graffiti, abandoned places, and assorted ruins also make an appearance. A couple of notes before we get to it. The song you'll hear in the middle is Spomenik by the Novi Sad-based band Lepša Brena. The song isn't necessarily about monuments per se, but the emptiness and loneliness it describes and evokes match that of the photographs we'll be discussing. Follow Lepša Brena on social media and listen, and more importantly, buy their music on Bandcamp. Links are in this episode's show notes. And, as always, this episode of Remembering Yugoslavia is brought to you by you. Thank you to everyone who has signed up to support me and Remembering Yugoslavia on Patreon, or donated on the website via PayPal. Today, I welcome new supporters James, Daddy, and Danny. If you like the show and wish to support its production, 
Join these generous people at patreon.com slash rememberingyugoslavia or donate one time at paypal.me slash rememberingyou. That's remembering why you. Jan Kempeniers, how does a Belgian photographer get into photographing Yugoslav World War II monuments? Before I photographed wide overviews from landscapes and just after the war, uh, I went to Sarajevo with a friend, uh, making photographs from the places where they were shooting on the city during the war. But during the rainy days, uh, we went to the library looking in books and also in the art encyclopedia um, during the communist period. And I copied some of the pages and there were little small black and white photographs of some of the monuments. And I, when I came home, I put them in my archive. And when I uh, started to do my PhD in the arts about the picturesque landscapes, so it means also about contemporary ruins, I was looking in my archive and I found these pages. And I had a friend uh, from the time I was studying in the Jan van Eyck Academy in Maastricht was living in Zagreb and I phoned him and I asked him if he was interested to to have a look what it was uh, for the moment, they still exist, etc. So we went to the library in Zagreb together with him and there we found uh, like uh, some some books and a map from a book from the 70s, I think. And on this map there were loads of these monuments indicated with small drawings. And then we started uh, to look for them and to visit them. It was very impressive, the first one we found. And uh, then I started uh, doing the photographs together with him. But I only photographed the ones like uh, were not in the city context, not in the urban context, but only the abstract ones. I, I think I started to do this in 2006, yeah. Jan photographed the monuments on multiple trips to former Yugoslavia over the ensuing three years. Slowly we discovered there are other ones who are not on this map because they was built later. And then, yeah, we went back and visited some more. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's the reason why it went a bit on and on. How did you decide that you're finished? There are so many monuments, large monumental ones and smaller ones as well. So at what point did you say, okay, it's time to show the work to the world? The first time we went, we found like the most impressive ones. I did the most interesting ones, like the first two, three times I went. But then discovering yeah, some more and smaller ones, yeah, I still want to see them and go back and make photographs of them. But on a certain moment, I think you have to stop doing this. And now mm-hmm. there is a lot of interest in these monuments, and there are like people who are busy with making what what was never my intention to make like a complete uh, overview of all the monuments. There's this uh, Spomenik database thing, I think it's like an Instagram thing, and there sometimes I look at it and I see that there are a lot of good monuments I never photographed, which is a pity actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting a sense that documentation wasn't part of your intent. What was? I'm not really like a documentary photographer, and it was never my intention to make a real complete document. If you're on these spots, on these places, there is less, a certain kind of weird feeling. Most of them have this aura on this. You can feel in a certain way that something happened there. It's hardly to describe with words. And this kind of feeling you have there when you're standing there, that's what I try to capture in the images by the angle, the light, the, the background. Mm-hmm. And so I get to kind of create this kind of image and only one ultimate image of each monument. 
which capture this kind of feeling you have when you're standing there on the spot at the, at the monuments. Did you do any research about the monuments? You mentioned a map, some books. Yeah, of course I did some, a bit of research, but not really like a complete one. It's right. more for, for other people, I think, for story people or art yeah. story people. Right. So yeah, I did a lot. I know more or less what's happened on these places, and also stories from from the locals because my friend could talk to them. There are also interesting stories of the local people telling. Yeah. But I'm not like specialized in all the kind of details uh, of all these monuments, of course. Which, if any monument, stood out for you in terms of that aura or feeling you were talking about earlier? The one who is on the cover of the book. It's a, a very, yeah, it's a very special place. Uh, you should visit it. It's it's enormous. It's a very impressive monument that I yeah. can say. On the cover of Jan's book Spomenik is the monument to the 1943 Battle of Sutjeska at Tientište, Bosnia and Herzegovina. The 1971 monument consists of two white concrete sideways chevron-shaped walls jutting up into the air at sharp angles. Together with the adjacent structures, Sutjeska was one of the largest memorial complexes in Yugoslavia and it was certainly one of the most important and visited ones. And also the Petrova Gora one it was a museum before and it's covered in stainless steel. The monument to the uprising of the people of Kordun and Bania at Petrova Gora in Croatia is a five-story tower with differently undulating layers enveloped in stainless steel panels. So people stealing the metal as scrap metal, so slowly it went down and down, of course. And there are like some interesting stories from, from local people why it's in stainless steel, because there was a company producing knife and forks and they uh, provided them with the steel and so on and so on. So the, the, local sto the, the stories from the local people are quite interesting and you can't read it in books, of course. What was the response from the locals to your photographing of the monuments? I couldn't really talk with them, of course, because I'm not into the Serbo-Croatian language. Mm -hmm. But afterwards, I also read some articles from like uh, local people who said, "Why is someone from Belgium or from Europe? Why, why, why are is he coming here and just doing the photograph of these abandoned monuments?" Yeah, nobody uh, over there is still is is interested in these monuments because they refer to the former regime. Some are even dynamited or they steal the metal, then so they're not interested anymore. So they wonder why someone is interested in, in, in visiting them, of course. Yeah. Your work sparked worldwide interest, if not fascination, with these monuments. How do you feel about starting this trend? <laughs> yeah, before I fought them, I think nobody was interested in it. But it, it's, it's great in a certain way that a lot of people did some serious research about it, wrote articles about it. Um, they often ask me to send photographs for their research. Yeah, I find it's, a, it's a good idea, I think. And I read a lot of interesting details I didn't do before, so I think it's mm. great. Yeah. So you feel like you can take credit for this? No, it's not that important for me. But you're fine with your status as a pioneer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Aside from tourism, photos, research, films and so forth that your work inspired, there have also been efforts to restore some of the neglected or damaged monuments. Yeah, it should be good if they if they do some restoration on the monuments, but in a good sense, not just overpainting them. And yeah, I think it would be great if they restore them and tell the story again, and that would be a good idea, I think. In the 11, 13 years since you photographed these monuments, have you ever felt like you're visiting the project, adding to the body of work, so to speak? Yeah, it would be great to go once more and to have a look at the monuments I never visited. Yeah, it would be great to do, actually.
Zamisli dan, kad u ovom gradu ostaneš Aside from hundreds if not thousands of amateur photographers inspired by Kempner's work, a handful of professionals have followed in his footsteps. 
Jonathan Jimenez, who goes by Jonk, was born in Paris in 1985, and I spoke to him right after he won first prize at Earth Photo 2020, an international photo competition organized by the Royal Geographical Society in the UK, with his Naturalia series, photographs of places where nature is reclaiming abandoned buildings. I want to know about his journey to photographing Yugoslav socialist monuments. I started photography when I was uh, around 10 years old, when my uh, my parents uh, sent me to the United States, actually, to an exchange family to learn English. So, uh, well, see, my English is not very good to today, but, uh, well, I'm French, so the comparison is very good with other French people, <laughs> but still it's not perfect. But I took a small, uh, you know, disposable camera, and this was my, my first one. And then I uh, they sent me every year for two weeks in a different family, different state, and uh, every time I took some cameras with me, and th these were my first uh, pictures. With my, my real first uh, photographic subject, it was uh, graffitis, street art. When I went to Barcelona for uh, for my first uh, solo solo travel, then uh, I really found something that I uh, I wanted to continue uh, shooting everywhere I went. So I bought a better camera and I started uh, photographing uh, street art in. Uh, all my travels. And it's actually this, this uh, taste for street art that brought me to abandoned places because uh, graffiti artists, they often go to uh, abandoned places to paint and to be quiet and take their time to make uh, bigger and better paintings. So uh, I started to go to abandoned places to, to shoot some graffitis. And actually, this is the starting point for Spominix because uh, I travel the world to photograph uh, abandoned places. And uh, one day, I decided to go to the Balkans, to the former countries of, uh, of Yugoslavia, to shoot abandoned places. And when I, uh, I made research to find some, uh, some places to shoot during my trip, I encountered uh, Spominix. I instantly fell in love with them. I continued uh, researching abandoned places, uh, but also, also Spominix. So during my, my first trip, I actually uh, photographed uh, almost as much uh, Spomenix as uh, Abandoned Places. Spomenix is one of Jean's five books, the others being Naturalia, Westlands, which is about graffiti in abandoned places, Baikonur, which features photos from a defunct Soviet cosmodrome, and Goodbye Lenin, which is about vestiges of the USSR in Eastern Europe. I'm curious about his process of photographing the Yugoslav monuments. Well, when I uh, when I decide to go to to a country f to shoot abandoned places, I, I make uh, hours or days of research uh, on the internet to find uh, to find places to shoot. And when I decided to go to Croatia, Serbia, or let's say to, to former Yugoslavia, I uh, well I found uh, some casual uh, abandoned places, factories, uh, school, uh, whatever. And uh, and as some of these monuments are abandoned, they they just uh, showed up uh, in my research. And I, uh, I realized there was a very, very strong uh, places because some are just not monuments, some are, are places. So I, I dig a, a little bit more into them and I realized that there was a whole, uh, a whole uh, universe of, uh, around these uh, Spomenix. So I really tried to start doc documenting on them and I realized that I, I really had to, if I go to, to former Yugoslavia and I don't shoot Spomenix, it would be, it would have been a shame because they, they are, such an interesting subject that uh, I had to make more research and to find more and to, to shoot uh, some of them. My first trip to former Yugoslavia, I shot around 20, 20 monuments and maybe, you know, 30 or 40 abandoned places. So, so those Spomenix, they, they took a, a very important part of, uh, of this uh, first trip. That first trip, it was in 2016. It was uh, uh, between two and uh, 
two and three weeks. Uh, I think during that during this trip, uh, I drove like uh, five uh, five thousand and something uh, kilometers in all the all the, the countries in the area. And then after when I came back from this trip, I re- I, uh, I realized that uh, what I saw with the, this pomenics it was just uh, fascinating. So I, I came back and I almost instantly I started to make more research about them to find more monuments. And a year later, in 2017, I went back to the to the to the Balkans, and I made another big trip around the four four thousand kilometers this time, same countries, and I shot around uh, 30 monuments more. So at the end, I had around uh, 50 monuments, and I decided I could make a book with these with these 50 monuments. So that's how uh, Spomenix uh, was born. The book Spomenix was born. Hi there, it's me, Peter Korchnak, the creator and producer of Remembering Yugoslavia, with a snapshot of the making of the podcast. I interview people across the Balkans and beyond, do a great deal of research, writing and recording, and when possible travel to the region like my guest today to bring you the stories of this podcast two to four times a month. It is your support that makes this reporting possible. It is you who helps keep alive the memory of the country that no longer exists. Ensure I can cover the next important story by supporting me on Patreon. Or donate one time at paypal.me slash rememberingyou. That's paypal.me slash rememberingyou. All right, back to Spomenik photography. So what is it about these monuments that fascinates you? First, it was mostly the, let's say, the physical aspect. Some of them, they are just uh, incredible to look at. They have some uh, incredible shapes. When you dig a little bit more, it's also the, the background that's just, uh, you have to investigate that as much as possible. When you discover something that fascinates you, and you know that you you did not uh, explore everything of it. You you just want to. You just. I know there are monuments in uh, in Serbia in um, in Bosnia that I did not shoot and that that are just uh, fabulous. So I, I just want to. I just want to go to to take pictures of them to to make research about them, discover the to discover their history. So when you're fascinated by something, and you know you 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 can go deeper in it. Well, I, I'm. A, I'm a passionate uh, person, so when when something drives me, I want to I want to dive as much as possible inside. So uh, I, I shot fifty of them. Of them, I'm really happy. Uh, I, I shot those fifty monuments, but I know there are maybe two two hundred more. So tell me about the book itself. First, uh, as an introduction of the book, there is a, a few pages of um, contextualization. I I talk about the, what are they, why are they here. And before each monument, when I could find the information, because it was sometimes very hard to find information about them, I give the architect name, the year of uh, completion, and some details about the the symbolism, the history. Um, for example, some some monuments they they were erected on the place of uh, battles, on the place of uh, concentration camps, on the place of uh, some massacres. I try to to give as much information as I could find, and sometimes there are a lot, sometimes there are very few. But uh, at the end of the book, I think you really you you understand the history of the place. You know why uh, why they have been built. How did Jan Kempeniers' work impact your own? Uh, when I made research about Spomenix, of course, I ran into uh, into uh, Jan Kempeniers' pictures. I did not have the book. I, ju- I just saw. Let's say I just saw the the, the pictures. Then I uh, I saw the book, and um, his work is is really about the the. Aestheticism of the monuments. There is not really history or documentation. It's uh, it's a it's a it's really a very interesting work. Very 
clean work, but uh, phot photographically speaking, let's say. But what I, what I wanted to do was uh, really give the Spomenics a more historical background and um, not just uh, show their physical aspect. And I really wanted to, 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 to dive a bit more into them and really talk about them and, and explain people what they are and why they, they should not be seen only as a, as a beautiful structures, but also a strong historical uh, vestige. There are countless photos online and on social media of these monuments. I've contributed a few myself on my Remembering Yugoslavia account on Instagram. What's your take on this? I see a lot of, uh, of pictures every day about Spomenix. And 99% uh, of the time, people just show the place and there is not a word about uh, what is it and why, uh, why it's there. Many times, these, uh, these, these monuments, they are referred as a futuristic or a UFO-shaped uh, or uh, monument from an uh, from outer space, or monument from another planet, or and I think this is totally uh, irrelevant, and it has a, it's really uh, taking something for what it's not. When someone says that the, those those monuments are futuristic, I have no problem with that. They're actually some are futuristic, but you you cannot just uh, stop there. You need to to say that uh, they, they represent uh, the people uh, liberation war. They honor uh, dead soldiers. Uh, of the villages where they have been uh, erected. I hope that when people uh, read my book, they realize that they learn something that they did not uh, learn in the hundreds of posts uh, they, they, they saw before. Did you draw on any local material, local knowledge, in addition to your online research? I tried uh, as much as possible to, to find uh, local information or local people to talk to. It's, of course, very, very hard because most of the monuments, they are in the middle of nowhere with nothing around. Most of the monuments, I did not see anyone uh, around. Of course, some of them are like almost a touristical uh, spot, like Petrovagora. You, you cannot miss them. It's, uh, there is a, a big road leading to them. But some are really, really remote. And uh, even with the GPS coordinates, it's quite hard to manage to find them. Only a few of them are um, among uh, you know, some uh, memorial parks that are looked after or let's say they are well kept. But uh, on the 50 monuments of the book, maybe more than 40, they are just isolated and uh, more or less abandoned in the middle of nowhere. So it's, it was very hard to find um, information. But that's why some of the monuments, I could not find anything. But uh, for most of them, uh, I could write uh, a few things. Uh, but I, I did not uh, rely on uh, anything. I could not confirm uh, somewhere. Campaigners' book launched a phenomenon. How was your book received? When it came out, I think there was only the, the company's book uh, right before, and I think there was only a few monuments, maybe 15 or 20 monuments in the book. So mine was much more uh, developed, let's say, and with much more text and ancient and history background and, and so on. So I think it was, uh, it, was well, uh, it was well received. All the people, they told me that they were happy to, to be able to, to discover uh, an important part of... Uh, of uh, Yugoslavia, because this, this monument, they, they tell an important part of Yugoslavia, the, the resistance during uh, World War II. Everybody seemed happy to, to, to learn uh, interesting uh, things about an in, in, interesting part of, uh, of history. Was there a monument that spoke to you more than others? Gevgelia in Macedonia. It's uh, some kind of a flower-shaped um, monument, all in metal. And actually, that has been really, really stripped away of its metal plate. So now the, the, the appearance is very particular. And I really love that one because it was very, very hard to reach. And because it's, uh, it's just a, 
amazing to, to look at this metallic structure that all uh, all stripped away, and you, you you can still see the shape of the flower. You mentioned you might want to keep this project going, photograph more monuments. What's the plan? I would love to really to go back to former Yugoslavia and to shoot maybe 50 more uh, monuments. I, I actually I have a list of more than 50 already on my computer to go there and shoot them, but uh, I don't know when I will be able to find uh, one month or again twice, uh, three weeks like I did for the first book. But uh, I, I really I'm not I'm not done. I'm uh, fascinated by these monuments. Uh, I did not see. Um, many things stronger than them in my life. So I, I, I really want to, to dig a bit further into them, but I, I just, uh, I don't know where, when I will be able to find uh, time. It's not so easy to drive uh, 5,000 kilometers in, uh, in the mountains of the, the Balkans. I could go, uh, when we are allowed to, to travel uh, again, I could go straight to Belgrade or Zagreb with, with a plane and take a car and uh, make another uh, 5,000 uh, kilometers trip. But if I do that, uh, I will not go to uh, Armenia, which is supposed to be my next trip, or Azerbaijan, which is supposed to be my next trip. You cannot travel all the time. When I was doing research on the monuments before traveling to former Yugoslavia for this project, I was shocked to discover I had missed Jan Kempenier's 2015 exhibition Spomenik at the downtown gallery in Portland, Oregon, where I lived at the time. You can't win them all, I suppose. Photographs, as artistic or realistic or evocative as they may be, can't come close to capturing the feeling you get when you stand at the site of some of the grandest Yugoslav monuments. That aura that comes from the site's landscape, history, memory, creation, loneliness, forgetting. Whether you come prepared with historic and artistic background in your mind's pocket, or come blind and do the research later, and I've done both, you leave change somehow, and part of you stays behind. The power of some of these places, it both takes it out of you and fills you with tragic, magnificent energy. Of course, I can't help but remark that the pioneering, the most enthusiastic, the most prolific photographers of Yugoslav socialist monuments are foreigners. The historical and geographic distance, the lack of lived experience in the region and the baggage that comes with it, the sheer otherness, all of this is what helps create their body of work and perhaps what makes for its good marketing. Look at these weird things, they're awesome. Sometimes it takes outsiders to pay attention to what we have for us to appreciate it too, I've heard it said in the region. That often seems to be the case with the World War II monuments. But the media coverage, the documentaries, the academic and activist work, and so on that's been happening over the last decade plus, give me hope for the future of memory in former Yugoslavia. time on Remembering Yugoslavia. I truly believe that Yugoslavia was inclusive country that celebrated diversity and that was built on really strong values and that we should not be ashamed if we still have feelings for that country. On the next episode of Remembering Yugoslavia, three ex-Yugoslavs share their stories. Tune in to wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to make sure you don't miss out.
That's all for this episode of Remembering Yugoslavia. Thank you for listening. Find additional information, links, photos, and the transcript of this episode in the show notes at rememberingyugoslavia.com slash podcast. Did you enjoy today's episode? Do you enjoy the podcast overall? Tell your friends. Give a star rating or write a review on your podcast listening app. Support us on Patreon. Ida Burek. Outro music courtesy of Robert Petric. Additional music by No Sense, Pa, and Petar Alargic licensed under Creative Commons. Special thanks to Attila Antal and Lepša Brena. Buy their music. I am Peter Korchniak. Ciao.